Hey guys, welcome back to Board Draw. This is episode 22 and today we've got some very special guests. We've got Jamie and Kwaku from the We Talk Football podcast to join us today. Lads, how you doing? All good, boys. All good. How are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Uh, excited to talk to you about all things football and especially your boys' teams. So Kwaku, you're a Chelsea fan. And Jamie, you're a West Ham fan. You must be very excited. You're wearing an Arsenal shirt right now. Obviously. Yeah, can you see me chomping at the bits to get into you, boys? But uh, I don't, I don't want to... We'll start on like a nice kilter and then we'll probably delve into this season. I feel like this season's going to be a good topic for both of your boys' teams. But um, before we get into Chelsea and West Ham, uh, do you just want to introduce yourselves and kind of what you boys do podcast-wise? Because you're kind of in a like similar phase of your podcasting as we are kind of just like like just chat about football all the time and i think that's and see what comes yeah, yeah see what happens well obviously like you say we're at the same stage you guys maybe you've not been doing it for the same amount of time but you're no, way more, no. way more professional than us you've got mic you've got shirts in the background we're yeah, just we're, we're just playing it by ear at the moment so you guys are you guys are hey, killing it obviously hey. Fake it to you, mate. Yeah. Yeah. That is literally what well, we were like. Distract from how like average we are by having all the glitz and glamour. Whereas you boys, because you're quality, you don't need all that stuff. Oh, no, no, you've been too kind. <laughs> yeah. There's too many niceties right now. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I'm my name's Quake Afari. Um, I I work at Talk Sport. I do some work for Sky Sports, work for ESPN, and work for Chelsea Football Club as well. Um, got into the industry uh maybe two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. We had our two-year anniversary for our podcast uh, saw, last yeah. week. Congrats. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Two years in dealing with this guy, so I deserve a medal. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we started it in the midst of pandemic. We were both jobless, both hopeless, both hapless. Um, and we we just love talking about footy. Like, Jamie, yeah. I'm a West Ham fan. I'm a lifelong Chelsea fan. And so we thought we'd start, uh, start a podcast, put a camera, put a microphone in front of us and just start talking shit about football. Um so I started the We Talk Football podcast in September 2020. Um, off the back of that, got very lucky, sent some emails out to some different people, got some work experience at TalkSport, um, making cups of teas and coffees. and The grind. Bar- the grind. Yeah. Um, and I remember being starstruck. I was like, if I've got to make Carlton Cold coffees for the next two or three years of my life, Worth I'm going to do it. But luckily, I uh, managed to progress from there and now do some, I produce a Thursday night show at TalkSport. I talk on there at Sky Sports and TalkSport. And working with Chelsea Football Club as well, so it's been a it's been a crazy journey, but I'm enjoying it. Nah, it sounds sick, mate. Yeah, he's he's a he's a modest guy. He's he's doing very <laughs> very well. Um, I hate him, but he's, he he does very very well. Um, so yeah, I, you know, he says he's got to put up with me, but like, anyone that knows us personally knows there's only one person that's got to put up with someone in this group. <laughs> when it comes to anything technical related or behind the camera, that's me, right? Yeah, the money <laughs> like, man. This guy turns up, yeah. records <laughs> when he can be bothered. <laughs> no, bollocks. It goes home and then it's all on me. So for me, um, I'm Jamie. Uh, obviously, like like Kwaku, I lost my job uh, early 20, well, in the middle of 2020. Obviously, we're in the midst of a pandemic at the time. Me and Quake's obviously been friends for like 20 plus years, started the podcast. And then from there, it kind of just snowballed for me in, in a slightly different direction to Kwaku. I started um, uh, doing a bunch of work with YouTubers, uh, editing for you know, lot, lot, lots of YouTubers in the country, whether that's like Rory Jennings or Adam McCullough or whatnot. Yeah. Um, nice. Uh, working across their YouTube channel, editing videos for them and whatnot. Um, that's why they've been on our channel and things like that. Um, and now um, I work uh, for an Asian broadcaster uh, called Mola, who are like the home of fighting in uh, places like Singapore and Malaysia um, and Indonesia. 
Uh, and in this country, they have, uh, they're building up an audience here with in-house productions of, of television shows. So I, I pretty much work across those shows, shows like Pub Talk, headed up by Ray Parler and Adam Brazil. And we interview um, prominent figures in the world, whether that's Tyson Fury, Ebony Bridges, Harry Redknapp. Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, so quite polarizing figures hmm. and they've got the highlights and lowlights of their career so yeah like quakey two years ago i was working as a nutritionist completely different career started the podcast and it's kind of just snowballed from there really um just uh Tyler, I, I wasn't working as a nutritionist these arms <laughs> um i was working in software sales but yeah doing very different things to what we're doing now but obviously grateful for the journey yeah. we're enjoying it and loving every yeah. minute of it and like the common denominator across all of it is like both of you boys love football and getting involved in that in whatever way is possible is like the best. I've got a question for Kwaku, yeah? How does someone become a Chelsea fan? I need to know. All right, so this is actually crazy. It's come full circle. So my dad loves footy, but Ghanaian first generation, he doesn't really support a team. He just loves football. So he had his favourite players, whether it be Tony Yaboa or whoever it was. Um, but I my birthday's in August and in reception, do you know like when p- parents are trying to get to know each other, you have like joint parties? Yeah, yeah. Shout out Conor Hartigan because I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't <laughs> him. But Conor Hartigan, his birthday is August the 10th, mine's August the 11th. And we, like, I went to his house because they were organising their joint party. And his family are huge Chelsea fans. And I remember they had a post, it was either a post or a calendar on the wall of Gianfranco Zola. Love it. And my favourite colour was blue. And from then I was hooked. And it was in the time, so I'm, I'm 29. So that was, it was either 97 or 98. So it's the times where everyone's a United fan or everyone's an Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah, literally. In the yeah. that I am, I quite like supporting the team that not many people supported. Hmm. Uh, he was very, very lucky because the money came in in 2003. But yeah, you don't really get many che- uh, black Chelsea fans, but that's the reason why I'm Chelsea. But the full circle part of it was his mum messaged me on Instagram because she saw me on Sky Sports. Um, and she was like, oh yeah, how's the family getting on? And I, I, I hope you're still a Chelsea fan. And I was like, surely if it weren't for your old man and your son, I wouldn't be where I am now. So Shout out was- the Hartigans. Love to see you. Oh, the Hartigans, man. <laughs> yeah, no, love, love that. Shout what a story. Guys. Love that. And uh, Jamie, West Ham, where's that come from? Are you just like the West Ham local or is that something a bit more exciting? It's unfortunately from my dad. Oh, uh, okay. It's one yeah. of those ones. 28 years of pain, two years of, of uh, positivity, and now we're back to the uh, the depths of, and, and, and despair of being a West Ham nah. fan. So, uh, I'm joking, obviously. I lo- uh, love West Ham. Family originate out of East End. Um, so, obviously, yeah. Mum's um, a Liverpool fan. Dad's a, uh, a West Ham fan. Obviously, I made the right choice in, in choosing. <laughs> it's one of those ones. Yeah, my family's a mess. My dad's United. My brother's Chelsea. I'm Arsenal. So, we're all over the gas here. Yeah, yeah. Similar, similar to our family as well. My brother's West Ham. So I'm surrounded by West Ham. Oh, does, he? does he get on with Jamie? Is he like fucking, they yeah, go yeah. West Ham games together? Yeah, they, yeah. Go to games, <laughs> they get on. Obviously me and Jamie grew up yeah. together. In Paris, so they know very well. Um, yeah. But yeah, surrounded by, surrounded by a, a multitude of fans that support different teams. That's what keeps it interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It does. What, about, do you... what about you two? Though? What about you two? Me, um, yeah, my QPR's dad's more exciting than Arsenal. Yeah, my dad's QPR fan. He, when he was younger, when he was a kid, he um, he was brought along to Chelsea games, but he didn't like the football. So then he was brought along to QPR games, ah. and it's trickled down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Living in, we're in Watford, so it's not too far to go to Loftus Road. Yeah. So nice and easy. Yeah, and that was it. Just love the club. I like being different as well. Everyone yeah. at school, it was like everyone was Arsenal or Chelsea or Man United. I'm a sheep, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I've got uh, so like all my older generation family they all support Chelsea and then like one generation below them is all Arsenal 
but then a generation below them is Chelsea again. So I think it's just kind of wherever you slot in is what you yeah. end up with in my family. Nice. Is, is it not the Thierry Henry effect now? Big time though. Here, and like, so we're both 25. So I was like, like peak Thierry Henry. And then for me, Seth Fabregas, I know he's a bit of like a polarizing figure in terms of some Arsenal fans love him. Some think he's a snake, blah, blah, blah. I think I still love him. And so like when I was growing up, seeing this techie little Latino boy, I was like, yes, mate, I want to be like him. <laughs> on uh, Interestingly, on Cesc Fabregas, here's, here's something for you as well. So my company, um, Mola, um, they own Como 1907. I love Como. Yeah, so yeah, Fabregas has just signed for Como. And yeah. So you should check them out. They've, they've got the waviest kit in it. So I won't and hear are they the one that's like, their uh, stadium is like right on the... Yeah, like Coma, right yeah. on the like, yeah, Lake Como, is it the Como, Lake Como, yeah, yeah, it looks nice. And they've got uh, yeah. Dennis Irwin and Mark Bircham, yeah, no, yeah. but yeah, big Seth Fabregas fan over here, so um, yeah, that's kind of like when I was growing up, I just wanted to be that techie little central midfielder, wanted Mark. to be, and I still am. <laughs> catch, <laughs> catch me at Power League or something, and you know, you'd have a look, but um. <laughs> Should we talk about this season? Yeah, we'll talk about this season. Uh, who should we start on? West Ham or Chelsea? Well, have you noticed that we're trying to like distract you from talking yeah. about this? <laughs> <laughs> Take our minds off it. We're here to get into the juicy. Yeah. All yeah. right. The tears might start streaming. I think we'll start with uh, with West Ham. Yeah. Obviously, last season, Mega phenomenal. Season. Mega phenomenal, season. phenomenal. Just fighting on all fronts and looking like a team with Jared Bowen just absolutely firing like a man just possessed yeah best winger in England I think last year potentially I don't know there's an argument but um this season it hasn't really clicked so far brought in the likes of Skamaka and Paqueta the um, transfer window was mega Paqueta huge signing Skamaka huge signing uh Tilo Correa good player um so yeah the, the transfer window was good so you must have gone into this season thinking if like last season and the season before were anything to go off of we can only be looking up really and obviously still early days, what are we like, eight games in, if that. Some teams haven't even played eight. So um, we don't. no one's going to be like, oh, West Ham are not going to make top half, not going to make European football because there's still a chance they will. But right now, where do you stand? What's going on with West Ham? I don't think there's like a, a definitive, you know, answer that mm. will, will give you um, the reason as to why. I think let's look at the facts. I mean, at the end of last season, obviously we had two incredible seasons for West Ham. Um, yeah. And at the end of last season, a lot of prominent figures left the uh, the team. So obviously Mark Noble retired mm. West Ham, synonymous with the club. Stuart Pearce, obviously second in command to David Moyes. He left the club as well. Other players like Ryan Fredericks, who's huge in the dressing room, like Andre Yarmolenko, they all left the club. Yeah. So obviously we needed to go out and replace them anyway. Yeah, and yeah. That's why you saw the almost um, the big transfer window that we had. I don't think any West Ham would have really uh, had any foresight that we would have gone and spent out and spent the money that that we did. But I don't think there's any West Ham fans that are necessarily complaining. I think we were quite unfortunate. Obviously, we brought in a, a centre-back in, in Naya Figuered, obviously got injured in, yeah. in the season. Um, and I think on, on the face of it, um, I think when you look at West Ham as a, as a snapshot this season, we haven't necessarily played well in many games. I think in a but in in multiple games, I think we've been quite unlucky with decisions. Uh, I think about obviously the Chelsea decision. Here we go. He hasn't got. Um, he hasn't stopped crying. He hasn't stopped crying for yeah. two weeks. On like a side note, the VAR that like officiating this season has been a mess. Yeah. So I get what you mean. And like you like that. Yeah, that West Ham game. I totally agree. That was kind of we had like a 
little segment on one of our podcasts uh, a couple of weeks back when that happened, just talking about that weekend. I think Newcastle had a decision as well that weekend that went against them that was against colours, a complete no. mess. And so, yeah, so I get what you mean. Like, I think it is a case of definitely more unlucky. Like you said, with um, your centre-back, Agued, getting injured. There is an element of luck to it, definitely. I, I looked at it and I was wondering whether it could be like fatigue carrying on from the amount of games they played last season. I don't know whether that's a factor. I know they had sort of the same break as everyone else. Yeah. But like, they just don't look as sharp and energetic as the West Ham we saw last season. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even uh, disagree with you there. I think the things that have become synonymous under the, you know, David Moyes' tenure at West Ham is relentless work rate. Um, mm. People like Jared Bowen, like, like you spoke about, you know, spearheading that. Um, but I think there's too many players that have been performing over the last couple of years that are now underperforming in our side and aren't mm. being taken out of sides. Uh, people like Thomas Soucek, people like Jared Bowen, you know, they're not performing well. Yeah, they're not I agree. really starting um, the new players. Like we have Maxwell Cornet, we have Saeed Ben Rama, ready and tailor-made for a starting eleven right now. We've got, you know, downs, you know, we've got other players that, that can come in and facilitate a role. And I don't think there's enough squad rotation necessarily right now. Mm. I said, I think the, the main things that have changed from West Ham perspective, I think as much as we've been unlucky, we have also been quite underwhelming in, you know, the intensity that we're playing at. It's been very, very lacklustre, very slow at times, very laboured. Um, but I'm not necessarily worried. I still think that, yeah. you know, we have what, we have enough players. Too much quality. Squad. I, I, yeah, I'm, I don't want to say that because, you yeah, know. I'll say it for you. As a West Ham, as a West Ham fan, I've seen a, a West Ham side get relegated with players like Joe Cole in it. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I, I never want to be the guy to say you know too much quality, but I don't think we're going to get relegated. Let's just put mm. it out. But what I will, what I will say as well is so ironic because everyone thinks that transfers an exact science. And for the last couple of seasons, all I've heard from West Ham fans is we need to bring in players. We need to bring in players. The summer they're bringing players are sitting in the relegation <laughs> zone. So these, like, and me and Jamie had a conversation off camera about it. In terms of like what Moyes did build and cultivate at West Ham was a sense of togetherness, mm. uh, and that squad harmony was so important that obviously they're suffering from from losing Mark Noble who retired and Stuart Pearce who took a step back. Um, but it tried to introduce so many new players into a system that's quite established into a system that these players recognise already the established players do, it's quite difficult. And we've seen that with Skamaka, it's taken them a little bit more time to embed than we would have expected. He's not starting all the games. Yeah. Max McCorney is not starting all the time. Emerson's not starting. And if you look at West Ham's results, apart from when they got spanked, I say spanked, they lost 2-0 to Brighton, but Brighton thoroughly outplayed them. Oh, all the game, one of the worst games I've ever been to. That <laughs> Brighton were incredible. And Brighton have been amazing this season. And Brighton will do that to a lot of teams. Um, but you look at you look at West Ham and their game's been very tight against my team, Chelsea. They were unlucky not to get something from the game. Spurs um, game. The Spurs game. So yeah. West Ham, it can go either way. I think what we're seeing in the Premier League right now is an increased mid-table. So the top six are the top six. Yeah. And then if you look at a side like Newcastle, who was supposed to be amazing this season, they're on the same amount of points as... Yeah. So like, and so West Ham with a couple of wins will definitely change their position. I think where West Ham fans are very worried at the moment is the game against Everton was a game that they would have expected to win. And Everton yeah, side that's that. where you want to get your points against exactly. Team so, yeah, but you said it, and James said it as well. West Ham got too much quality to worry about the position in the Premier League. But it is a uh, it's a trouble it's a troubling start to the season because they're expected to push the top six. Obviously, to like, top as well is I would take off a fifteenth in 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 the Premier League if we. If we have like a well, I mean Europa Conference League, I think we're one of the strongest sides in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would take a solid, solid run in that. I'm, I mean, I'm on wax last year saying I would take a, 
I think I was on. A, I was. I think I'd take thirteenth. I think I said last year if we if we had like a very good run in the Europa League, and we ended up finishing seventh. Yeah, and, and, and did a good run. Yeah. So for me, I've never seen my side win anything other than playoff games. Mm. So if we go out there and win a competition where I think you know we we have the quality in, yeah. in when you look at the other sides in there, if we can go out there, I think I would take. I, I would be happy to sacrifice league form a little. Nice yeah. little European away day. That's what I've got. That's what the dreams are made of. A little bit of a question. Like Mikel Antonio, for me, he's so, so important to the way West Ham play. And he goes through, he obviously had that stretch. Like was it, it was two seasons ago when he scored for like seven games in a row at the beginning of the season, just absolutely looked like an unstoppable menace. Bringing in Skamaka, a different type of forward, someone who's involved in the build-up play but in a different role potentially deeper not looking to break lines as much as Antonio does um how do you see sort of the phasing out of Antonio and bringing in Skamaka going and does it worry you do you think that could be a reason why West Ham have lacked a little bite in, a little bit of bite in front of goal do you know what I mean um it's a difficult one I mean Mikel Antonio ultimately has been fulfilling a role for a couple of years. He's not really a striker. I mean, yeah, he's, he's kind of played all over the place, hasn't he? And kind yeah, of ended up at striker. He's played winger, he's played right mm. back. Uh, like, I mean, I remember seeing him play against, you know, Crystal Palace at right back and mm. give the ball away for a goal. Like right. that's that's how um, how much of like a utility man he is. But as much as I say that, he's done an incredible job for us. Yeah. He did go on like, a very uh, like goalless, barren run. Um, for quite quite some time, and you know, football's about scoring goals and winning games. Ultimately, if you're not scoring goals, you're not you're not going to win games. We've scored two goals this season. There's a reason we haven't won. I think for me, like, and the phasing out. I don't necessarily know if it's a phasing out because I can still see Mikel Antonio probably playing for a season or two. Like, yeah. if if not this at the end of this season, it's definitely another one. Um, I think Skamaka obviously is he is a different player, like you say. But I think through bringing Skamaka in and then some of the other players we've brought in as a result. You know, you look at people like, you know, Emerson Palmieri or you look at Maxwell Corne, players that are like very attacking f- focused. So you don't have necessarily have to get the legs from Skamaka because you'll get them from other places on yeah. the pitch. You'll get that delivery in the box and whatnot. So I don't know if it's necessarily a phase out. I'd say what it does do is it gives actually us as a, for this season especially, it's not really working now, but it does give us like another dimension. Last yeah, 100%. year, we didn't have, we didn't have D'Antonio. There's a reason we went out of the Europa League in, in, in the semi-finals, and that was our squad depth. I think now we have, as much as David Moyes, you know, there's a reason he's called Dithering Dave by the West Ham fans. Um, as much as he doesn't really change his approach and whatnot, and he isn't changing the starting uh, lineup, we do have more options now. Um, so I'm not necessarily worried about that. Yeah, and especially like now that you're in European competitions, depth is like the most important thing in the squad. Like, like you said, if you could label that as the main reason you went out of the Europa League last year is because if you can't handle midweek games, weekend games, midweek games, mid um, constantly, it takes a toll on the players. And so, yeah, I think there's a case where like some people look in from the outside and they're like, oh, these are signings for the sake of signings. But I don't think that's the case with West Ham because we were talking about Nottingham Forest on a earlier podcast and how, people look in at their transfer business and think, fuck me, signing 25 players, like that is just signings for the sake of signings. Whereas like, I don't think that's the case for West Ham. The players you got in are all good quality and that's what you want. You want depth in key areas and players like Lucas Pakatar, like a centre to go alongside Declan Rice. Now that you, like you said, lost Mark Noble and you need kind of depth in midfield, I think he's a quality player. And so, yeah, I don't think it's um, 
It's not a time to be worried. Yeah, for I wouldn't times, be saying worrying times yet. You've been very nice, guys. Nah. Very nice. <laughs> I think I actually said on one of our like, Let's go to Chelsea. very early <laughs> podcasts. I don't know what came over me. It must have been like some like truth moment. You know, when they say like if you have a, a bit of alcohol, the truth comes out. I said West Ham were my second favorite team in the league. I don't know what happened. Don't even, I don't know where it, honestly, I don't know where it came from. It's just like, uh, yeah, well, a couple of pints in and I was just like, yeah, West Ham are the second favorite team. And now it's stuck with me, apparently. Oh, so. I like the story. <laughs> yeah, I said, talking about the story. It's like what Quaker said, like, it's, it's, the, it's the unity. Like, you know, you didn't have to be a West Ham fan last year to appreciate. The yeah, exactly. Had, you yeah. know. I was fortunate enough to go to some of the European games last year at, at, at the London Stadium. I've heard everyone slates in the London, London Stadium and it isn't a, a football stadium, but that's one of the best atmospheres I've ever been yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. The year game, for example. Um, and, you know, that, that, yeah, it was like everyone's second favourite team for, for a period, whether yeah. we want to admit it or not, you know? So, yeah, I need, I need to go on record, though, and say, like, you know, I don't have a second team. Never <laughs> more a second team. Maybe the closest I've ever been was Leicester. Oh, God. I've, I've got a second team clearly so it's it's, it's the team for the mandem it's crystal palace they're, they're my like, team for the mandem now we like crystal palace to be fair i'm, yeah. a, I'm an Eze gang yeah he's really? an Eze fan yeah yeah of course of course he did bits for you guys um but yeah, when it comes to second teams in the premier league it can never be west ham that can never be me it's, but that's because of jamie then surely no yeah yeah but the yeah. thing is when I, when I was younger because my brother played for west ham obviously he was like 17 i had like a uh, a, a slight affinity and i went to the I went to the cup final in 2006 at, at Cardiff, in Cardiff, where West Ham, the Steven Gerrard game. Yeah, yeah. So I had, like, I had like a little bit of an affinity, but doing this podcast with Jamie, where he <laughs> remembers everything I say, every slight of, uh, on West Ham that I say, I kind of built, a, built up a disdain towards him. Yeah, that's like game. him with Arsenal. I bang on about Arsenal too much, and now he fucking can't even stand yeah. the sight of them. Yeah. Even though you are playing good football, yeah, it makes no. me sick. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, like, like I said before recording, it's like it's the last thing the internet needs. Another Arsenal fan. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> but um, you brought up Brighton uh, while we were talking about uh, West Ham and how they play lovely football. <laughs> like arguably one of like the hardest to beat teams in the Premier League. Like every big club will go there and struggle and then they just batter any team that's Perhaps kind of like around most... their level or below systemic teams in the league in terms of their approach to football like Graham Potter getting the best out of I don't want to say average players because they're not average players but like McAllister. they're not stars and Graham Potter is getting like 10 11 out of 10 out of them every every game and now Graham Potter's the Chelsea manager Kwaku mate that how were you when you lost we'll start with the sacking of Thomas Tuchel how did you feel about that it was uh, it was crazy because I, it was uh was it a Wednesday? It was a Wednesday and I was just chilling at home, day off, just in my boxes till eleven AM thinking I'm just gonna chill. The news comes through and then two hours later I'm outside Stanford Bridge reporting on yeah. Thomas being sacked by Chelsea and it was uh it was insane because obviously the night before we had lost to uh lost to Zagreb yeah. in the Champions League, which was a shock. Um but you would have thought that Thomas Tuchel would have bought himself more time than that. Yeah. He's a man that's had to do a lot, a lot beyond Beyond what his actual job description is. Yeah, 100%. For the last six or seven months, my man's been answering questions about geopolitics. He's been <laughs> yeah, literally from Chelsea actually speaking. Um, and let's us not forget that he won Chelsea the Champions League, the second in our history. Last season, barring two or three penalties, we win two domestic trophies. Yeah. And we finished third behind two of the best teams in the world. Yeah. There's not much more that man could have done. No, I back uh, it, yeah. You thought the board would have backed him, or they did back him in the in the transfer window, spending a quarter of a billy. 
and you thought that these were his players. Evidently, they're not his players. They're players yeah. in the field that I am um, eyed up. He could have beat, um, you know, Leicester in the FA Cup final. He didn't do well there. Yeah, fair enough. He could have been Leicester in the FA Cup final, but that, that summer was ultimately a success because we won the Champions League, a competition that I don't think you've ever seen your club play in. Anyway, so I think, I think that Thomas Tuchel is, is one of the world-class managers. And if you look at the top four last season, the best four managers in the league finished in the top four. So you look at... I'll shut myself out. <laughs> you look at you look at uh, Man City with Pep Guardiola. You look at Liverpool with uh, Jurgen Klopp. Look at Chelsea with Thomas Tuchel, and you look at Spurs with Antonio Conte. Football, and I've said it so many times, is a manager's game. Yeah. And you go as far as a manager can take you. Um, so the fact that Chelsea let go of one of the best managers in the world at a time where things are very very much up in the air surprised me. I think it took a, lo- a load of Chelsea fans by surprise, but. As a football fan, you have to be the eternal op- optimist. I can sit there and cry for a couple of days, but I'm not going to stop supporting Chelsea. I'm always going to back the boys. Yeah. So you look at the landscape and you look at the managers that we could have brought in. A very Chelsea manager, and I thought this was going to be the case, would have been Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah. He comes in, probably wins a domestic trophy and has gone in 18 months. Yeah. They opted for Graham Potter, who's a very different profile to- profile manager that Chelsea have ever had. 100%. Um, and so it's exciting times. I'm excited to see progressive football at Stamford Bridge for maybe the first time since 2011 yeah. when Ancelotti walked out the door because it's been very pragmatic if you look at the managers yeah, we've had time. in terms of Jose Mourinho, in terms of Antonio Conte, even in terms of Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. So I think we're going to see some good football at Stamford Bridge. It's positive. How about Obviously, Lampard? Lampard did a good job, mate. Bring back sorry good... ball, that's what I say. Oh, sorry ball is probably my <laughs> least favourite season in <laughs> Chelsea. But again, Chelsea fans were very spoiled because we look back at that sorry season and a lot of Chelsea fans look back on their Maybe not the most positive eye, but we finished third that season yeah, in the yeah. one league. So, like, there's there's high expectations at Chelsea, and that's the biggest question for someone like Graham Potter. Yeah. It's like, can you meet these expectations? Because Chelsea fans, it's trophies or bust. And it's been like that since Roman took, our, took us over. And last season, we got to two cup finals and we expected to win them. So, it's going to be very interesting to see if this board actually does give Potter the time that they've said they're going to give him, yeah. regardless of the fact that if we finish in the top four or not. Um, but it's a huge step up and I'm excited to see what happens when Potter takes over the reins, or as Potter takes over the reins at Stamford Bridge. Well, Luke said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that if you hired, so this was before they hired Potter, that if they were to get Potter in, that you'd need to give him about five years. Chelsea, obviously they're not known for giving a manager longer than two years, let's say. Do you reckon, obviously we don't know too much about Tom Bowley, he's kind of like an unknown quantity in like the league and in terms of like football ownership but um from like the early Todd Bowley era what what do you fit what are your opinions on Todd can we call him Todd yeah fuck it it's interesting because technically he's my boss yeah, so got, I was oh say. shit yeah that's I was true say, we had to be yeah. careful but in terms of like, yeah in terms of I'll be I'll be honest with it it seems a little bit um not directionless the fact that we've appointed Graham Potter before we've appointed a director of football yeah. kind of tells you where we're at at the moment in terms yeah. of there's not, there's not many football people at the club. Obviously, we've got rid of Marina Grandeskaya last season. We've got rid yeah. of Petr. And towards the latter stages of Tuchel's era at Chelsea, he was decrying the fact that he had to deal with things that weren't just football coaching. He had yeah. to deal with being a director of football and identifying talent. We had the, the, um, the, the rumours of the Ronaldo saga being one of the reasons that Tuchel was actually let go in the end. <laughs> yeah, because obviously these are American owners that have their own ideas about football or soccer as they would say yeah they love and, the Ronaldo and, signing for them would be like whoa yeah well shirt, shirt sales through the roof exactly and, it, and it, it's flashing it's, to be honest I was with them in signing Cristiano Ronaldo I, don't I think backed it, it as well I backed you can't it. turn your nose up at somebody who's going to guarantee you 18 to 20 Premier League goals Agreed. a season 
I did that in the bad United side. Mm. The Chelsea side, I think, are better than that United side. So I would have been, I would have been on board for that. Yeah. But in terms of what they, how they're going about business, they're, they're new to this game yeah. and they're they're up against established forces in Man City and Liverpool who have set new standards in the Premier League. Arsenal have obviously done the right way and have brought in Arteta and have given him the time and given him the agency to do what he needs to do. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, that's the biggest word with Chelsea and biggest thing in football management is agency. You need to give the manager the, the confidence that they are the man who who runs the roost or is, yeah. is the man that's in charge. You saw at Arsenal in terms of Arteta getting rid of Ozil, getting rid of Aubameyang. At, at Chelsea, Graham Potter needs to be given the confidence that if he doesn't like a player, Get the board are going to back him yeah. and the decision is going to be final. Well, it remains to be seen if that's going to be the case, but I'm very interested to see it from an outsider's point of view. Yeah, well, you're okay. One thing I would want to know is history would suggest that that's just not, not going to be the case. There was lots of rumblings around the club that obviously Tuchel wasn't necessarily in the, the Todd Bowley fan club, so to speak. And you may be employed by Chelsea, but I'm not. <laughs> Get him. Uh, <laughs> It's the the scattergun approach from like uh, from Chelsea's transfer window was outrageous. You know, you got yeah. players like well, I know he has his injury uh, worries, and you had players like Marcus Alonso and whatnot going out and spending play, uh, you know money, uh, big big money on Cucurella, for example. Uh, I think it's like a great player, but it's not, it, it didn't address the, the things you need. You let yeah. Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku go out the exit door, and now you're playing really without a recognised striker. You got Raheem Sterling, yeah, yeah, obviously you got Aubameyang coming in, but. You know, I'll ask you a question though. Which one of those transfers would you not have done as, as a as a fan looking into it? Which one of those transfers do you think is egregious? Um, no, they're wobbly. I'd say the one is the only one that I'd say is wobbly because he's associated with Tuchel. So to bring him in and him yeah. only have like, that's crazy <laughs> that his like uh, like announcement video is pretty much just oh yeah, I can't wait to work with Tuchel, and the next day he's been sacked. He's, that, he's, that is outrageous. It's that that's the one that kind of leaves me a bit puzzled because. Like he was a player very much associated with Tuchel, and Tuchel was talking about him glowingly in press conferences. Yeah, and I do agree with your 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 premise that it's a scattergun approach, but I'm inclined to believe that this board is going to stick to their word and give Graham Potter the time he deserves because it's on wax. It's been it's 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 out there now. They've said yeah. that despite the fact, or regardless of if he finished the top four or not. They're going to give them time. So we'll see if they sit to their word. I still think we're finishing the top four, but it's whether Graham Potter can, can meet the expectations of Chelsea fans and the Chelsea board. Well, how yeah. long are those expectations going to be tempered, though? Because they allowed, um, you know, Frank Lampard the same luxury. Like, it's not the same board. Yeah, no, I know. Different guy in charge. Maybe Tom's a different man. Ro- Roman Abra- Ab- Abramovich allowed Frank Lampard time in his first one. As soon as it wasn't working out in his second season, he was out the exit door. Like, yeah. Who's to suggest that Todd Bowley won't be following the same kind of model? And then you've yeah. got to question the fans as well. Do the fans have that kind of patience? Chelsea fans, like you said, they're so used to silverware constantly. Yeah. Say Graham Potter has two years in the job and has won nothing. Do the fans turn on him? Um, I don't know. There's going to be contingents of, contingents of fans that are going to turn. There's, there's Liverpool fans right now saying yeah, they don't yeah. want a manager. Yeah, true, so true. like football fans are very, it's very emotional. It's a, sport, isn't it? yeah. it's a very fickle sport. And, and we saw it, we've seen it at multiple levels. We see West Ham fans, some of them are calling for David Moyes to leave. This is a man that's got you to sixth and seventh <laughs> yeah. in the last two seasons. So football fans are football fans. I can't legislate for what they're going to yeah. do or what they're not going to do. But what I will say is that the last two Chelsea managers, managers to be sacked, there's been an outcry in, from Chelsea fans decrying the decision. So you look at like Frank Lampard, when he got sacked, Chelsea, most Chelsea fans were in agreement that that was the wrong decision. Yeah. Obviously, it turned out to be the right decision and won the Champions League yeah, six yeah. months later. 
and you look at Thomas Tuchel, I don't think you can find many Chelsea fans that are agreeing with that decision. They wanted them to stay, despite the fact that we won nothing last season yeah. and didn't look very good towards back end of the season. So I feel like as things have progressed and Chelsea have become maybe not perennial title contenders, fans have gained a little bit more patience. Okay. So I think Chelsea fans to be more inclined to give Potter time if yeah. they're seeing progression. But that's only if they're seeing progression. If he's not good enough, he'll hear about it very soon. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you then. So in that period between sacking Tuchel and getting Potter in, who did you want in the job? There wasn't much time, was there? Literally no, it was very quick, yeah. Um, who did I want in the job? I will say Mauricio Pochettino because I'm I'm so used to that being the approach of Chelsea. Okay. Um, but when it was Graham Potter and it emerged that it was going to be Graham Potter, I wasn't opposed to the idea of having somebody who's a little bit more progressive and somebody that we'd have to give a little bit more time to. Was, yeah, um, a bit more of a project, yeah. There was uh, the name yeah. Zinedine Zidane thrown in the ring at one point, wasn't there? Difficult, difficult to difficult to to assess Zidane as a football manager. Yeah, it is Zidane, Klopp, Guardiola, Conte in the same. Yeah, yeah it'd be a, it'd be a madness. Box office. Yeah. Um, what say the word box office? Obviously, the most box office manager of all time, in my humble opinion, is Jose Mourinho. And now, at the back of my head, I was thinking, is there a sensational third? <laughs> <laughs> to Stanford Bridge with Jose Mourinho. Obviously, that didn't happen or materialise, but I do think he'll be a Chelsea manager again at some point. In do you the reckon? Future. I do think he's going to come back for a third time now. I can oh, just see yeah, it. Was, um, don't know if the Premier League's ready for that There one. was apparently some guy from The Athletic, the uh, the football reporter. He he literally uh, said that apparently Todd Bolly inquired to Roma about um, the availability of Jose Mourinho. Yeah. That, been, that would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. Would have been box office. Um, this season, obviously, Man City have started, Arsenal top of the table, but Man City have started and they sort of look very unstoppable. Um, the Erling Haaland show is in full force. Do you think the gap now between Chelsea, Tottenham, Spurs to... Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. Tottenham, Arsenal, that's the one. Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. Do you think the gap between them and City has gotten bigger or smaller? I'll, I'll let Jamie go on that one. Um... It's a hard one. I I still think, like, if I'm honest, I still think the top two are going to be Liverpool and, and Man City, if I'm honest with you. Um, I still think there's a distinct gap between yeah. uh, between those teams and the others. But I would say that the, the quality of teams around there, around the, the remaining top four sides, I think it's more competitive there than it has been in previous seasons. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, we haven't really spoken about Arsenal, but obviously Arsenal's transfer activity was was top level, and I think same was uh, the, the same can be said for Tottenham. And I think because of that, they've kind of bridged the gap on your Tottenham's. Yeah, and you know uh, even Man United, for example, who are starting to show a semblance of form now, you know their transfer activity has been good. I think you know bringing the players in. So I think as a whole, I think the top six is a lot more competitive. But I would still say Man City are the standout team, and I think Liverpool are just finding their feet. You know dealing yeah. with the loss of Sadio Mane and a, and a host of injuries across their squad um, hasn't been easy, easy for them. So I still think it'll be them two on top, but I think it'll be a lot closer than it has been previous seasons. I I, I do agree with it. It seems like it's very... I don't... Actually, no, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the... Get him! I don't agree with the Liverpool side of things. I think Liverpool's problems run a little bit deeper than just surface level. I think there's, there's an issue with their midfield that they didn't address. Big issue, uh, yeah, I agree. There's an issue... This is the first time we've ever seen Liverpool... Obviously, when they signed Allison and they signed Van Dyke, they were guaranteed starters no matter yeah. what happened. The, this Darwin Nunes transfer is the first time Liverpool signed a player for big money that if he's not in great form, 
will not be starting. If Darwin Nunes is shooting blanks and Diogo Jota sitting on the bench, yeah, watch exactly. this, this guy up top not scoring goals, then I won't say there's going to be disharmony, but there's going to be an issue there. So I wouldn't say they backed themselves into a corner, but this, Darwin Nunes had one good season in Portugal and they bought him for a lot of money. So yeah. they are relying on him to perform in order for him to compete. They've been perfect for the last two seasons and haven't won the Premier League. It's, you know I mean? it's crazy that they're still playing the midfield of Henderson and Milner. Like, how's that? How have they allowed no recruitment in the midfield for it, fucking, what, like three years? It's crazy that Milner's playing alongside Harvey Elliott, who was born after he made his Premier League debut. Honestly, mental, like, mental. <laughs> They, they are, and so with it, it's crazy to say because Arsenal are top at the moment, but the word I'd use for the Premier League and the word I'd use for Erlen Haaland is ominous and inevitable because yeah. Man City, they've like not it. necessarily been their their best versions of themselves. We've seen Man City play a lot better, but we just know that they can turn it on and mid-season they're going to win 13, 14, 15 yeah, games. Yeah, literally, yeah. Pull out, pull out ahead of everyone. And that doesn't mean that Arsenal and um, Spurs haven't been great. And I think Spurs are the, the team you need to watch out for because they've got a manager that knows how to win the Premier League. But City are just miles better than everybody else. And they've got somebody in Erlen Haaland. It, it's, we've never seen anything like this before in terms of the rate that he's going to score goals. And the fact he's not going to a World Cup either, it means good things for Man City. So I think that Man City are the clear favourites. But I do think the teams below them have got better bar in Liverpool. Do you think he's going to uh, break 40 goals this season? Erling Haaland? Yeah. Well, he's already ahead of. I think what the, the record was was is Salah, isn't it? And I think he's ahead of uh, Salah at the moment of what of, of that point when at, the, at this point in the season, I think Salah got like nine in his last eight games or something like that. So, yeah, um, I'd like to see it happen, but I, I, it's almost like a cheat code, isn't it? It's like it's such like playing, a cheat code, such yeah, a cheat code. I think it's like it's, it's. I don't know if you guys do it. I'm a big football manager fan, but it's like when you're a football manager and you take over the other team before the <laughs> yeah. cup final. And you, you 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 give them ten strikers, do you know what I mean? And then you just put Erlen Haaland up there, and he scores five a go, uh, for a, a game. It wouldn't surprise me if he scores forty. He looks, he just he's an android. Yeah, um, honestly, like straight robot. He can do it, like any ball that's put in the box, no matter what centre back he's coming up against. He's just absolutely bullying them. It's and for like what is he like twenty one, twenty two? Imagine being like a hardened Premier League centre back and getting bullied by this twenty one year old machine it's he crazy. has no right to be as fast and athletic as he is for the, the, the size that he is he's absolutely it's crazy he might it's, be the most perfect goal scoring machine that's ever been built do you know like when i don't i don't know if you guys are fans of other sports but when you saw usain bolt come along you're like this guy's just different like do you know what i mean he's just the technique's not perfect but so much like, bigger and just so like almost crazier than everyone yeah like in basketball, Shaquille O'Neal, like mm. he's not the perfect basketball player, but he's just so much bigger and so much stronger, and he's going to dominate. Yeah. Haaland, I'd say Mbappe is a better player than Haaland, but Haaland, what he's going to yeah. do to the league, he's going to break the Premier League, and he's going to he's going to set records that won't be broken for years and years and years. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the Usain Bolt comparison is actually so on point. Like, do you know that race? I don't know what um like one of his races that he did it in, but do you know where he was so far ahead that he like turns looks and like, looks at the camera um, as he's running? Yeah. That like just gives me Haaland vibes that he like. He can take his mind off the game while he's playing and still like get a hat trick because he's that yeah. crazy. Well, that goal against that goal against Borussia Dortmund when the ball comes in and he has no right to get his leg that high. Yeah, that's nuts. That's a hidden opportunity. Yeah. My man gets his wrong foot on it or his right is his left foot, but he should really go with his right foot. And it's an incredible finish. And I think what the word ominous I think comes from when I saw them in the in the Community Shield game and he missed that sitter and he laughed. And I was like, "Oh shit, we're about to see some madness." Because he, yeah, nothing, literally, he's just a he's a he's a cyborg, he's a robot, he and 
he's going to score a ridiculous amount of goals this season. Yeah, and I to, just to his credit, actually, as well, he said that before the season. He said the one thing that scared me yesterday is he saw Hallen miss the goal and laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he man. said that. He said that uh, two months ago. You know? And then he came yeah. out in the post-match interview, and the um, oh, it might have been where he. I don't know if it was like the first game of the season where he got two goals. I think, and the post-match uh, interviewer was like, "Congratulations on your first goals in the Premier League." And he was like, "No, nah, I'm fuming. I could have had like four or five today." And I was like, "Jesus yeah. Christ! What an absolute men- like like mental mental guy." Give me PTSD here, boys. It was against West Ham. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, the guy built different, completely built different. Yeah, he's he's an absolute machine. Um, I I just I, every time I watch City play, and he gets on the score sheet, I just think, how do you stop him? Yeah, I mean, even against Wolves, I think there was a clip where he literally is just looking at the defender as he's running, he's beating him, and he's just got his arm yeah. all over him. The defender just looks like he's he just doesn't want to be there. The guy, yeah. the guy is a menace, and I. He's going to take an absolute performance to be able to stop him. Some teams got to just send their centre back out, go for a leg breaker, take one for the t- uh, take one for the entire league. I said this last episode, yeah. You do that, you're playing with ten men against a Man City team who can bring on Julian Alvarez. for the greater good. You know, like in hot fuzz, where they're all like for the greater good, literally. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. But um, we don't want to keep you boys too long. I know. So just before we wrap up, uh, whenever you have a guest on, you hit them with a kind of like wrap up question, and we thought we'd do the same to you and we'll start with Jamie just so I can get some context for my question who so obviously Dimitri Pyatt where do you sit on him is he like a you're a big fan of Dimmy Pyatt West Ham cult hero yeah okay so well like my question was gonna be what would you take out of never selling Dimitri Pyatt or winning that Europa League semi-final last season and if that's too easy then I have a backup one too easy, yeah. Europa League. Okay, yeah, I thought it'd be too easy. So my backup one is Declan Rice, one club man his whole career, or win that Europa League. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, I knew the Dimmy Pyatt might have been too easy, so I had that one stashed. <laughs> it's a good one. Yes, I've got two answers. I've got two answers. No, I don't so know about that. I don't know about that, but I'll let you have it. So I'm, I'm a, obviously with my West Ham hat on. I want to see Declan Rice playing for us um, as as long as possible. I think he's like an immense talent. I think yeah, he's like I agree. He's like he's one of the first names on the England team sheet. Yeah. I think, but at the same time, taking off my West Ham hat because of those reasons, I think he needs to be playing at the highest level. And I don't know if West Ham can provide that. There's always going to be question marks around Declan Rice and people like this guy to my left are always going to say them at me because he's playing at West Ham and not in a Chelsea midfield or a Man City midfield that he's not for performing on the elite level. Yeah. So I think ultimately, if West Ham can't provide him the highest possible platform for football, then he does need to go. Um, so he can further himself as a player um, and it will be an immense shame, but hopefully we garner in a transfer fee for him. Yeah, Like I said last year, well, sorry, uh, like I said earlier in the um, podcast, I've never seen my, my club win anything. Like to see us win the Europa League would have been incredible. You look at Frankfurt, they won it and they're in the Champions League this yeah. year. Like That would be crazy. They had the Super Cup against Real Madrid. The thought of a West Ham playing against Real Madrid yeah. is just like, what you know what I mean? So, so you say you're saying you take the the uh, well the the, the, the the if I'm if I'm being pragmatic about this, the Declan Rice sale is inevitable. It is an inevitable. Okay. So, um, I'll take the Declan Rice sale and and uh, and, and the trophy. Well, it's well, 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 well. Final. It's getting to the final. What if you bottle the final? Our back is against Frankfurt. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, that is what I was thinking. I kind of left it up to you to think. Oh, yeah, that's a trophy. Or what if we lose the final? But. 
there, there was so many reasons we lost that game. Like, you know, two words, Aaron Cresswell. I like, genuinely, I said this to Luke, he had just such a mare, man. It was such a bad game from him. Which is difficult because, I mean, he's currently our longest serving yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. And he's been a great servant for the club. Like, even last year, he had a great season. He's got like eight, he got like eight assists for us in the league. Yeah, just like, every corner, Suchek could get his big head on. Yeah, he's, he's melon of a head on yeah, it. Yeah, so literally. Um, yeah, like I, I inherently like I have such a love for Aaron Crispell, but there is something in the back of my head where I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, no, I back that. I, I, I think I'd probably pick the same. Like you said, Declan Rice, like the money he'd bring into the club would be crazy, and the opportunity to get into a final and potentially win it would be mega. But that's just mm. my opinion. Kwaku, my question to you probably doesn't have as much jeopardy as that one did. Yeah, but. Still question all the same. So who do you dislike more out of Arsenal and Tottenham? Just to... Um, um, do you know what? It, do, it does change a lot. Um, Whoever's doing better. Yeah, it does. <laughs> at, at school, it was Arsenal because okay. everyone, everyone supported Arsenal. Um, and I saw a couple treacherous dons um, defect from Chelsea to Arsenal. <laughs> I, I saw, I remember you, Mitchell Rayner. Oh, I was going to say, you. out them, out them. Not the, 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 the out-caller. It was a Chelsea fan that switched to Arsenal. I think that's when you guys weren't undefeated. Um, who do I hate more? Right now, I hate Spurs more. Okay, and I think the question probably works better with Spurs as well. Um, ben Chilwell or Martin, is it Martin? Mark Kukurea. Um which one do you keep at Chelsea and which one do you let go to Spurs? Oh, Jesus. Especially because uh, Spurs, there's shambolic at wingback department. So they take, they take, so you're giving your um, like rivals a pretty deep, like both of them are good. Like Chilwell and Kukurea are both exceptional fullbacks. So you're giving yeah. Spurs a very good one, but what one are you giving them? Oh, giving them Kukurea. Yeah, man. It's an easy <laughs> decision. Um, ben Chilwell yeah. is off well. the back of an ACL injury. Um, yeah, is he fragile? I, I, what I'd say is that Cucurella's got a higher ceiling. Cucurella would not surprise me if, like, in three, two or three years' time, he's playing at Barcelona in the Champions League week in, week out. He's got a higher ceiling than Ben Chilwell, but Ben Chilwell's probably more suited to the rigours of the Premier League. And I've seen Ben Chilwell start for Chelsea and play incredibly yeah. in the Champions League final. Um, and he's 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 proved it. We saw him come off the bench against West Ham earlier this season and goal. change the game. Yeah. Obviously scored a brilliant goal and, uh, and got the other assist. Um, and I've got more of an, an affinity for him. I do yeah. love Kukurea's hair, though. He's got, yeah. he's got both of them. Even Chilwell's got a good head of hair on him. They're both. He's got a good barnet, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's strengthening Spurs, though, isn't it? I yeah, well, that's what kind of like the under under kind of handed note about it is like. Just if you say Kukurea has got a bigger, higher ceiling, do you want that high ceiling going to Spurs? Can you just can you say no, no to the both of them? Just give him Alonso. <laughs> yeah, get Alonso back. Send <laughs> them over there. Oh, no, um, yeah. Oh, it's a tough one. I'd, I'd keep Ben Chilwell just yeah, because. No, that's fair enough. I've just thought yeah. of a really like difficult one in, in my head anyway for a Chelsea fan. Hit him. God. Would you rather keep Reese James or Mason Mount? I know, I know my answer if I was a Chelsea fan. Okay, so this is. It's not, it's not. It's not even going to sound wild. Reese James, in my opinion, is the best right back in the world. Yeah, I agree. Uh, He's Chelsea's best player, whether that be defensively or going forward. Yeah. Mason Mount, though, is only one of three people last season in the Premier League to, to get double-digit goals and assists. And he's Chelsea's golden boy. He's our future captain. Um, he does so much. He's going to start for England um, in Who the World the Cup. Other people, by the way? What? The other two? I can't remember. Jared Bowen was on the Jared Bowen was on the other one. I think Mo Salah was the other one. Um, 
So I was probably sell Mason Mount and keep Reese James just because I think Reese James again his ceiling is higher. I think yeah. Mason Mount he hasn't maxed out yet. There's still there's still room to grow, and we saw the evolution of maybe it's different positions, but someone like Jordan Henderson from the age of 23 up to the age of 30 took massive strides and massive steps under the right manager. He he became one of the best centre midfielders in the world, even though people don't want to give that to him. Um, so. Mason Mount's got a huge potential. I fucking love Mace, but Reese James is beast James, man. He's beast flames. I think, I think Reese James is the most complete footballer in the Chelsea team. Yeah, he's I don't so think good. anyone is as good defensively. I mean, like, he's got the whole package. Do you know what I mean? Going forward, defensively, his ability to carry the ball, his passing. He's just, he is yeah. just an amazing player. He really is. Yeah. Jamie, who are you starting for England at right back, Trent or Reese James? That's not even a question. It's not even. You going Trent? Absolutely not. Like, I, I, I is it? Is it like I'm on of the same mindset? Like, are we like plagued because uh, Trent has been shambolic this season? Uh, it's. I mean, also, I think we've already alluded to it there. I think you know, Reece James is one of the most. Com- forget Chelsea. It's one of the most complete players in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, if he's, if it's contentious that he's the best right back in the uh, in in the world, then. I, I don't know who's, you know, making an argument. He's, he's incredible. Trent is in that argument, don't get me wrong, but I think where where Trent is a 10 out of 10 going forward, um, you know, Reese James is a 9 out of 10 on everything. Do you know what yeah, I mean? that's very true, actually. And, and the, the one thing that he doesn't have is maybe the distribution or like the, the passing out. Well, to then yeah, I thought, I thought he does I close enough. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to Rich James in saying yeah. that, but he's not as good going forward as, as no, Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold. Well. But for me, I want uh, a defender that, that can go both ways. And I also want, a, um, you know, not that history suggests otherwise, but if we have a back line with players like Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire in it, you know, that they grief. have that's a topic for another time, I think. But uh, yeah. again, again, like, I'm happy that they're in the squad from a perspective of like, you know, they've done it at previous tournaments, you know, former side, they've always performed in an English shirt. People were quick to forget Luke Shaw scored in the final. Harry Maguire was in the team of the tournament. That wasn't that that wasn't through luck. It was through performances. They're just not doing very well at Man United. And that's been synonymous before that in uh, those England games, by the way. Um, but anyway, with those players in the side, there is a possibility. And because of the, the, the league uh, performances that you can see them, pulling mistakes and whatnot so having players like your reese james in there yeah who can go backwards isn't just two-dimensional when going forwards um then i th- i i would have him in there i would know? i would say w- w- with those two though the biggest issues i'll have is kyle walker because i jumped maybe yeah, jump, yeah, yeah, yeah. i jumped the gun maybe a little bit and saying reese james is the best right back in the world if you look at longevity and someone who's done it at the highest level and won the biggest yeah, trophy it's a crazy I'll problem w- that we've arguably like england have got pretty much the three best center backs in the world right back and like uh, yeah right backs in the world and it's like how how do you sort that out like i'd have been a premier league team of all time carl walker yeah yeah he goes he goes he goes as well gary neville with those eight premier league titles nah our mates had gary neville in his and i was like are you on crack mate gary neville in your nah gary neville did a lot of david beckham's running but yeah. like in terms of like an actual footballer yeah, in terms of ability i think carl walker goes in there yeah no i agree yeah. i had to um, um Quaker, you'd like this. I'd have Asbequator. I had Asbequator in mind for some reason. Yeah, obviously Dave's a legend. He's actually my second favorite Chelsea player of all time. Oh, okay, he's just um, he doesn't go in there above. Doesn't cool. go in there above. Yeah. Is he Chelsea's greatest ever player? Who Asbequator? Chelsea's greatest ever player? No, no, no. He's no. won everything. Yeah, but our greatest ever player it's is Frankie. Oh, it was, I mean, not even Frankie Lampard. No, you look at you look at 
this is a, this is one for a different day. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Sorry, we're like, just going. <laughs> you look at Didier Drogba and you look at how important he was to Chelsea. Look at the two finals that we lost last season. If Drogba starts that, those finals, we win. There was, he only didn't score in one final as a Chelsea yeah. player. And that's the, the Champions League final 08 where he got sent off. Apart from that, he scored in every other final. Yeah, he only lost finals to the Chelsea player. He played in, I think he played in 10. No, he played in 12 and he lost two. He lost against Man United in that Champions League and he lost against Spurs in 08 yeah. um, or oh, I can't remember the year. Lost against Spurs when Woodgate scored that winner. So Didier Drogba, for my, in my money, for my money, is Chelsea's greatest ever player. And since he's and, left, you've never really had that kind of crazy good striker. Maybe like Diego striker. Costa, but he wasn't like at that level. He just was like a bit of a menace. But yeah, yeah since Didier is kind of not been... Maybe Morato. Yeah, we love Alvaro. Oh, why would you say that? Why would you say such a sacrilegious thing? But um, yeah, should we round it up there? Boys, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, yeah, like, thanks for coming on. You didn't have to, like, spend the Wednesday evening with us, but you chose to, you and we're very glad that you did. Do you guys want to, uh, like, plug your socials at all before you, uh, you go? Yeah, yeah. so um, on Instagram, it's We Talk Football Podcast. On Twitter, it's WTF Podcast 90. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on spotify we're on youtube make sure you like our videos and subscribe to our channel we release videos weekly so yeah and also jamie will kill me for this we're on tiktok as well i'm a bit old so i don't yeah, really we're the exact same we're trying TikTok. to get on the tiktok hype but we're just a little bit like don't understand it fully so we're kind of like oh shit how do we get into that tiktok craze but we'll get it. I'm, not, I'm not a big tiktok guy either but we've, we've just got to do it you know? yeah, yeah, yeah bite the bullet get on tiktok yeah. So yeah, we're on TikTok as well as um, at We Talk Football Podcast. So yeah, check us out on all the socials, and uh... we'll have all your details down in the description. Um, yeah, thank you again for coming on, Jamie and Quaku, absolute legends. Yeah, really appreciate. And we'd love it. to do this again sometime, maybe down the line when West Ham aren't in the relegation zone. That'd be nice. Yeah, you have to come jump on the podcast here. We'll have you in the 100%. studio. Yeah, we'll that'd be you. great. Anytime. All right, thank oh, you very much, boys. Guys. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. See you later. Later. Yeah, no.